who's with me this morning. I'll get it in just a second, brother. Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, but um, <clears throat> anyway, um, I, I wished I could say that I have this particular subject already under control and, and down, but I don't. Go with me to the book of James, chapter number 5, this morning. James, chapter number 5. I'm so glad you made it in and are here this morning. James, chapter 5. And I've got a lot of material. I'm going to give you information. If you take notes, you might want to jot some of them down and so on. might be a help for something a little bit later. James chapter 5, you there? All right, James chapter 5. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pick up the narrative. Let's pick it up in verse number, um, let's start in verse 13. Are you ready? Here we go, verse 13. Is any among you afflicted? Let him, what's the word? Uh, is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them, what's the word, pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the, what's the word, prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and, what's the word, pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man su subject to like passions as we are, and he, uh, that, it would, uh, that, it, um, uh, that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months, and he, again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth uh, her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. I think you kind of got the idea as we went through and kind of highlighted, highlighted one particular word, and that word being prayer. And it is a word that I am working on in my own personal life. I want to be a learn to pray more effectively. Uh, and uh, efficiently, and uh, I want to be more consistent in my prayer life. How about you? Amen? And so let's, let's see if we can learn some things maybe. Um, and I know you guys probably know all of this and already have it, so just bear with me while I learn it today, and uh, maybe God will give you a little bit of overflow this morning as well. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. We sure love you this morning. I'm so grateful for how good you have been to us. And uh, I pray that you'd help us this morning with this particular subject as uh, I am trying to learn myself to become a prayer warrior for uh, the souls of men, for uh, the saints of God. And I pray that you would help us this morning to gain some truth that might make us more effective for you. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name Amen and amen. I appreciate you reading with me. Over, <clears throat> and I've got to find it real quick, but I think it's over in the book of Luke. There is a particular passage uh, where the chapter begins, and the subject is brought up. The disciples tell the master, said, Master, our Lord, 
teach us to pray. Uh, I don't suppose there's anyone could tell us more about and uh, teach us more about prayer than the Lord Jesus himself. He spent a lot of time in prayer. And uh, I only say that for this reason. If he did, I suppose there must be a need also for us to spend much time in prayer. Uh, someone said little prayer, little power. Uh, uh, much prayer, much power. And I think I missed one in there. But anyway, the, you get the idea of what we're trying to say. Prayer is vital in our life. And uh, boy, in the days in, uh, that we live in, it's becoming even more important prayer in our life. And so I, I'm uh, contemplating this morning from this passage some things about prayer. Let me just uh, say in James 5, just so you kind of have a little outline, understand chapter number 5, and you, you already do, but just, just jot these things down if you want to. In chapter 5, verse 1 through 6, you find serious persecution. And in James 5, 7 through 12, you find secret patience. And then verses 13 through 20, we find the strength of prayer in this particular passage. It is important in our life. Prayer. Here's four or four or five things you might want to jot down. Why is it so important? Well, here it is. Number one, prayer was or is emphasized in the Old Testament. There is much said in the Old Testament about prayer. Uh, there is much uh, given to people's actual prayer that they prayed to the Lord. And so we can go and examine and look at their prayers and, and what they actually said to the Lord. Now, let me just make sure we nip something real quick uh, because it's very important to me. I, I'm a firm believer that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, okay? A preacher knows that. He wouldn't have me up here if I wasn't, all right? But I say that for this reason. There are so many who are minimizing the Old Testament and saying that it's not really a value. Uh, it doesn't apply to today. But I, I differ with that, and uh, I've said that just probably about every time I've been here, and I'll continue to say it, because I want people to understand the importance of that Old Testament. He said, these things were written for you in sample. In other words, I want you to learn something from this, is what Jesus said uh, through his writers there in the New Testament. And so we can understand as we look back at the Old Testament, and it is emphasized there, you'll find a man by the name of Moses gave much time to prayer. You'll find a man by the name of Abraham. I'm not going to spend the time on each of these men, but uh, gave much time to prayer. Elijah was a man of prayer. We found out right here. Hezekiah was a man of prayer. Jehoshaphat, the king, a man of prayer. You'll find out that uh, Samuel was a man of prayer. On and on we could go. In fact, Samuel is the one who said this to God's people when they said, uh, Samuel, uh, we've sinned. We've messed up please pray for us. And here's what Samuel said. Are you listening? Get a hold of this. God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. You know what he's trying to say there that we can get from that? It is a sin when we don't pray for one another. And it is wrong when we don't pray for one another. So we need to understand it. It's emphasized in the Old Testament. Number two, it's enlarged upon in the New Testament. Uh, you'll see that these men were men of prayer in the New Testament as well. Uh, it is expounded upon, uh, we'll find out. It is enhanced uh, by the Lord Jesus himself. He said men ought always to pray and not to faint. 
Uh, you know what's going to happen when we don't pray? We are going to faint. Uh, you know what I find? I find my weakest times when I'm not a person who's given my time to prayer like I'm supposed to. We're supposed to be people committed to prayer. It's so important in our life. My father-in-law was a great example uh, of a man of prayer, and uh, uh, no doubt about that, and I thank God for his example in my life. And so it's enhanced by the Lord. I'm trying to hurry. It's experienced by the early church. The early church spent a lot of time on their knees in prayer before the Lord. In fact, uh, the, the, uh, the, 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 uh, the beginning there in, in the book of Acts, you'll find that they spent some time. You remember in that upper room, 120 days they spent in prayer uh, for the outpouring of the Spirit of God upon their life, the power. Jesus said, wait until you be endued with power. And you know what they said? We need that. So they got on their knees before as a church family. I wonder, I wonder what would happen today is if we as church family would again find the need, the importance of getting together and really pouring our heart out to God for power on our ministry, upon our lives again. Amen. And uh, so prayer uh, was enhanced by the Lord, experienced by the early church, and then it is expected by all believers. Expected. You say, wait a minute, God expects me to pray? Absolutely. Uh, here's what he said in the book of Thessalonians, a very familiar verse. Uh, uh, it's a long one. Are you ready? This is going to be a hard one. Pray without ceasing. <laughs> uh, now, what, what, does that, what does that mean, preacher? Now get a hold of this. Does that mean that I'm supposed to be praying and never stop praying? No, I, here's what pray without ceasing means, and I'll see if preacher agrees with me. I believe he will. Uh, pray without ceasing. Obviously, the Lord knows that we have a life to live, and we've got things we're going to be doing, and when everything else stops, our heart ought to go back to the attitude of prayer again, and that's praying without ceasing. That's that attitude in our heart of wanting to stay in communication with God. Amen. And so we're supposed to pray. So prayer is vital in our life. <clears throat> Uh, get a hold of this right here if I could, uh, could. Five reasons why we don't pray. Can I give them to you real quick? You ready? Number one, because of the iniquities of our heart. The iniquities of our heart. Sin causes us not to pray. Uh, I know this. I remember as a child uh, when I was in trouble, uh, Brother Harry, uh, and uh, was looking to get straightened out, you know. Uh, the thing I was not looking for was for Dad to come home. Now, any other time, I was excited. I wanted to see him. I wanted to talk to him. I, you getting it? The communion, line, or communion, uh, communion lines were open between us. But, boy, when I was in trouble, he was the last person I wanted to see, the last person I wanted to talk to because I knew what was coming. Amen. And the same thing happens in our life as a Christian, doesn't it? When sin enters our life, the last place we want to go is to the Lord Jesus Christ and give him attention like we ought to because we know we're not right with him. So iniquity, the iniquities of our heart causes us not to pray. The number two, get a hold of this, the ignorance of our minds. Uh, I've heard people say, you know, I don't know that you really have to pray about everything. <laughs> well, <clears throat> let's see what the Scripture says. In everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So what did he say there? I think it's pretty plain. He says in everything we're supposed to be praying about. 
So prayer, we get ignorant a lot of times, uh, and uh, we need to be people of prayer. And so ignorance of our minds will cause us not to pray. Number three, how about this? The infirmities of our bodies. Uh, many times we don't pray like we ought because our bodies hinder us from prayer time. I know sometimes you hurt. Amen. Sometimes uh, uh, sicknesses can cause us not to pray like we ought to, but we ought to uh, uh, pray. Anyway, here's another one, the invasion of our time. Well, you know, I, I've got to hurry, Lord. I've got this I want to do, that I want to do. And more important than anything ought to be our prayer life. Amen. And not allow it to be an invasion of our time. In fact, it ought to be uh, the importance of our time uh, to spend with God before anything else. In fact, uh, to get a hold of this, really we ought to switch that around. It ought to be things of this world invade my prayer time. And we're not going to allow them to invade our prayer time. It ought not be that praying is an invasion of what I want to do. It ought to be vice. So you agree, agree with me? You understand what I'm saying? So that's why we don't pray many times. Number five, the influence of our adversary. Satan does not want you to pray. Now, one of the greatest examples I could use of that, I believe, Brother Jim, would be this. I believe we could say that Peter, in his life, when the Lord looked at him and said, Satan hath desired to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you. I believe that if Peter would have caught a hold of the prayer life of the Lord, maybe he wouldn't have went and done the things that he did. Maybe if he had just taken some time and said, you know what, I really need to get before the Father. Uh, you remember Jesus said this in the garden. He said, watch and pray uh, that you fall not into temptation. He said, couldn't you, couldn't you just pray for one hour? You remember. And so he was trying to encourage those disciples to pray. Why? Because Satan doesn't want you to pray. If you pray, uh, that's where power comes from in our life. Amen. And so we need to understand those things. So those are some reasons why we don't pray. Now I want us to look at our text here for just a few moments. Uh, preacher, what time should I be done? What's that? 1045? There's no clock. I got 40 minutes? Wow. Huh, it's right there. There's a clock right there. I see it's it's this fault, though. This stuff's in my way, you know. So <clears throat> anyway. All right. Uh, I made an idiot of myself there. James chapter number five. Let's go ahead and look at it. I want to get some things from this particular passage if we can. Here in our our, our uh, text that we've read. We have seen prayer on several different occasions. He's spoken of those in verse number 13. Uh, if you're afflicted, pray. He's speaking of those that are sick. Call for the elders of the church to come and pray over him. And by the way, can I just throw this out to you? Uh, those, those that like to look at those faith healers on TV, can I just help you with something? In your Bible, it's very clear that it said if somebody's sick, let him call for the elders. That's the pastor of the church. Come to them, not you go to them. Oral Roberts was a great healer, supposedly. But it's interesting, he had one of the greatest hospitals in the state of uh, Oklahoma, 
and uh, most uh, lucrative hospital in the state of Oklahoma, Oral Roberts did, but he was a healer, you know, and uh, he could heal everybody. It's kind of amazing. He never made any house calls or door-to-door visits there in the hospital uh, to heal anybody. He was waiting for them to show up on his TV program. Come on, somebody amen me there. Uh, the Bible makes it very clear that we're to ask for them to come, and the elders come, the pastors come to the house and lay hands, and, and I do believe in uh, uh, divine healing, not divine healers, amen. And uh, there is still a healer who can touch people and heal them, and it comes through prayer, uh, the Bible says. And then he talks about uh, the prayer of faith uh, that saves the sick. And then he talks about uh, um, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. That's where I want to go to right now, verse number 16, and look a little bit about this effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, as I said, this is not something that I have control of. This is not something that, man, I'm telling you from experience, I'm the great prayer warrior. I'm trying to learn something this morning, and I hope maybe you'll learn something with me as we're going through it, all right? Uh, but look at this man here. The Bible says in verse 17, Elias was a man subject to like passions. I want you to notice some things about prevailing prayer. Number one, uh, the, the man in prevailing prayer, as is seen here. His name's Elias. What about this man? He was just an ordinary man. Well, you know, I, I, boy, I wished I could pray like the preacher. I wished I had that, that calling of prayer in my life. There, there's no such thing. God says we're to pray, and everybody can pray. Amen. Uh, well, you know, I wished I had a special, no, you know, no special ability. Just uh, call unto me, and I'll answer thee and show thee great in mind. Ask and see, cannot, the Bible uh, speaks of. And so prayer is just something that anyone can do. Amen. And so uh, he was a man that was subject. He, he, he had the same problems that you and I have. In fact, many say that he was a bald man. Some of us in here qualify. Yeah, I like that. Amen. Uh, so I qualify in that way, maybe. I don't know. But then uh, someone said he was a short man. I got that one covered. My boys tower over me. They love it that they tower over me. We were taking pictures, and they stood me on some steps just to make me even with the guys, you know. And uh, it's kind of embarrassing and humiliating. But anyway, he is a short man. But then they said something else about Elias, and I don't, I don't know. This is just what the historians say. Say he was a chubby man. I got that one covered. He is a man just like we are. Are you with me? And uh, he's ordinary. It didn't take some uh, extraordinary guy uh, to have a prayer life. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed, the Bible said. Then number two, I want to get a hold of this. Let's think about Elias. He was an obedient man. Prayer life evolves around obedience obedience, doing what God says to do. Uh, so here's a man that was an obedient man. You say, how do you know that? Well, I'll tell you what, let's go back to, hold your place here, and let's go back to the book of uh, Kings, 1 Kings, if you will, in your Bible. 1 Kings there. And let's get to chapter, I think it's chapter 16 we need to go to. No, it's chapter 17. So 16, 17, it's right in the same area, Amen. In 16, we find this man, Elias, Elijah, in the Old Testament. And in chapter 17, notice what the Bible says in verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, 
As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not do nor reign these three years, but according to my word, or not be due, it says. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Kareth, uh, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did. You and I could take some lessons here, I think, in this regard. He was obedient to God. He was a man who obeyed what God told him to do. And we need to be more effective in our obedience for the Lord. Amen. Uh, God listens to them who obey him. Amen. And uh, so in sitting by a brook, he, he obeys God. He's told to go sit by this brook. Now, understand this brook is uh, referred to or could be referred to as a common place of life. Uh, we need to be obedient to God even when it's just the common things of life. We need to be obedient. Well, Lord, you know, I wanted some more important thing. No, no, no. Just be obedient in the common things of life. And uh, Elias was a man who was subject to like passions. He could have just, but he said, no, I'm going to do what God told me to do. So it's a common place. Uh, and we need to be that way because we have common people that we deal with and we need to be obedient to God and pray for those common people. We need to be obedient to God uh, in regard to these common problems that we deal with and pray to God and ask God to help us in our life. He was an obedient man in doing what God told him to do. Then secondly, he not only was sent by a brook, then we find in verse number eight, and the word of the Lord came unto him saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, uh, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he said, well, Lord, maybe another time. You see it in your Bible, chapter 17, verse number 10. So he arose and went to Zarephath. That's what we need to do. We need to obey the Lord here. He's uh, obedient to the Lord and sitting by a barrel. Uh, this is a crisis of life. Uh, sometimes there's physical crises. Sometimes there's marital crises. Sometimes there's emotional crises. Sometimes there's spiritual crises in our life. Be obedient to God. Follow what God said to do. Well, what did he say to do? Pray. Pray. He didn't ask you to pray. He said pray. In fact, uh, uh, when he's uh, given the model prayer, he said, when thou prayest. You know what he's doing? He's assuming that we're going to do what he said we're supposed to do. Right? So be obedient. We need to be obedient in doing what God says to do. Sitting by a brook, sitting in a, uh, by a barrel, the commonplace, the crises of life. But then number three, watch what it happens. In verse number, uh, let's see, in verse number, let's look at verse number 12. And she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake. Okay, this is the barrel. I'm trying to drop down to where the next one is. Verse 17, it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and his sickness was sore, uh, that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? Watch what he does. And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of 
her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. And he what? Cried unto the Lord. What's he doing? He's praying. He's in a, he's sitting with a boy. This is the calamity of life. Sometimes people are going to experience death. We're going to experience death. Prayer is vital in our life. He was an obedient man. He was an ordinary man. But then get number three. I like this one. He was an observant man. <clears throat> in our prayer life, it would do us well to be more observant of things. I wonder when we come to church if we really observe what other people are going through and thinking about other people and their calamities, their difficulties in their life. I wonder if we really carry those burdens with us when we leave this place from day to day and ask the Lord to help those in our church to strengthen them, to be with them, to uh, uh, heal them, to raise them up. Uh, I, I remember uh, when I pastored <clears throat> Uh, preacher would hand out the, the prayer bulletins, as I'm sure y'all do as well. And uh, uh, what, what amazed me is how many times I'd go through the church after prayer meeting time and find in the pews those prayer lists still sitting there. Shame on us. Shame on us when we are uh, given this commission, when we're given uh, these burdens to bear on the behalf of others that we would leave them laying aside and treat them as though they're trite and uh, unimportant to us. But what happens when we have a need? Help me. What happens when we have a need? Oh, church. Oh, preacher. Pray, pray, pray. And man, we ought to be the very same way for others in our church. Amen. It ought to be so important in our life. And so he was an observant man. Watch this. He saw calamity. Here, here Elias is. He looks around and he sees his country. He sees a group of people who are hungry for God, but they're getting fed false religion. They're getting fed all sorts of filth and ugliness and dirt and grime and treated like animals, basically. And uh, Elijah sees this, and of course, he's the one praised for the rain to stop. And I believe it was under the commission of God to do that, and he prayed. And it did not rain. Why? Because the attention of God's people needed to be reached. You know, we need to get serious about praying that God would stop some rain. Get people's attention. Get our churches back where they need to be. Here's a man. He was observant of the need. Uh, uh, let me ask you this. How observant are we of the man of God? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but this morning I wonder before we came to church how many spent some real time with God asking God to bless the man of God today and do something through the man of God. Well, you know, I'm coming to church. Well, that's good. But come to church and ask God to do something through him. Do we, anybody here have a need in your life today? I'm not, that, that's not embarrassing. Anybody have a need in your life today? Can you raise your hand up? Yeah. Uh, boy, you ask the Lord, God, give the man of God something to help me with my needs in my life. And so he was observing. He could see that there was some needs uh, that needed to be met, and so uh, he prayed. And so then not only did we notice this man, he was ordinary obedient, and he was observant, but then I want you to notice the manner of his prevailing prayer. There's three things about his prayer I'd like to just grab a hold of. And we're going to get some scriptures here and uh, go around. Do you mind if people, preacher, read some verses 
uh, in Sunday school here this morning. Can I ask them to do that? Is that okay? All right. Uh, the manner of prevailing prayer. I want you to notice, first of all, it was fervent. It was fervent. How do you know that? Look at your Bible. Look at verse 16 again. The effectual what? Fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. What does that fervent mean? It has the idea of desperation. A desperate situation. He was in desperation. Uh, this man of God was fervent. He was, he, was, uh, he was full of zeal about his prayer. Uh, we should be driven uh, to our first resource instead of our last uh, uh, resort, if you will. So often, uh, you know, we try everything else. This is Jerry Harris. This is Jerry Harris. I'll fix this thing some way. I'll get through this thing some way. And the last resort, we find ourselves saying, Lord, I can't do it. And the whole time, what he's been doing is saying, you know what? If you didn't just turn to me to begin with, this has been a lot easier. Anybody else? Help me there. Amen. Amen. I'm saying fervent prayer, desperation. See, Jabez in First Chronicles chapter number 4 understood this kind of a prayer. Who will get First Chronicles 4 for me this morning and read it? First Chronicles 4, I've got a verse. I'll tell you when you get there. Somebody raise your hand and we'll get that one. First Chronicles 4, all right? Tyler, I guess I'll get you, brother. Are you ready for one? If you'll get Esther chapter number 4, Esther chapter number 4. Uh, but Jabez here in First uh, Chronicles 4, verse 9. Who's got it, Tyler? Read verse 9 and verse 10. Next verse 2. Okay, stop right there. Uh, and the rest of the verse is pertinent too, but for our, our situation in regard to prayer, I want you to just get a hold of what he said there. Did you get that statement? Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. It wasn't, Lord, you know, maybe, uh, you know, I'd like you to bless me, and uh, <laughs> I know you're busy and everything, but if you ever get some time, I'd sure appreciate if you'd throw some blessings my way. No, no, no. Uh, uh, Jabez realized that there was some urgency here. He needed something from God. I mean, he, he came with an attitude, Lord, you have to do something. Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. And then Esther 4, verse 16, before it's read, brother, I just want to uh, kind of preface it. Esther is about to go before the king they're about to kill all of the Jewish people in the nation. And uh, Esther, Mordecai has told Esther to go before the king that God has chosen her to do this. And man, she's fearful. You don't just walk into the king without being asked. And so here's her response in verse 16. Listen to what she says. Is that 4, verse 16? That's all right. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. 16.
You see that? She knows that her life's in jeopardy. But furthermore, the people of God are in jeopardy. She says, I got a job to do. And so she goes in, and she, before she does, she looks at Mordecai and says, uh, look, get the people, to gather them together. You know what Wednesday night prayer meeting is all about? Gathering the people together for the focus on prayer for the, the, the people of God. Why? Because we've got some danger. There's a, uh, what's the fellow's name? I can't get it in my tongue right now. Mordecai and uh, Haman. Thank you. I started to say Hushman. I don't know, but anyway, where that came from. But Haman, Haman had built those gallows, you know, and Haman was out to do wicked, uh, uh, and uh, Haman was out to, uh, to harm God's people. Well, Haman is a picture of Satan, is he not? And what does Satan desire? He had, uh, the Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Did you get a hold of that word? Devour. He's not just out to play games. I mean, he's out to destroy people's lives. What's going to be the thing, the, 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 the thing that will uh, stop or hinder his work in the lives of God's people? It's God's people being fervent in their prayer. Desperate, understanding that my prayer life can be that which could cause other people in the church to either prosper or fail. My prayer life could have that kind of an impact. Am I right or wrong? Is that biblical? Come on, you, are you with me? Huh? So we see desperation. There's another fellow by the name of Jehoshaphat. Great enemies coming before him. He's in First Chronicles chapter number 20. First or Second Chronicles. First Chronicles chapter number 20. And uh, uh, he, he says this to the Lord. He says, Lord, we're gathered here and we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. Nevertheless, our eyes... Are upon thee. And that's where we need to be. We need to have that kind of fervency in our life that we say, Lord, we don't, we don't know what to do. We can't figure this thing out, but God can. Amen. And God's people praying. And so the fervent prayer life. And then I want to say it was focused prayer. Uh, it was very specific. It was deliberate. I asked what you will, he says. Uh, uh, sometimes we're too general in our prayer. Sometimes people get this idea uh, of praying similar to the, uh, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Uh, I believe that's a damaging prayer to our young people. That may not go over well, but I believe it's a damaging prayer to teach them to pray. Now I lay me. We need to teach uh, our children the importance of talking to God as though he is a real person because he is a real person. You know, he's not a fairy tale type thing. Uh, this is real. He is the God of this world. He is. And, and I, I'm not meaning like Satan. He is the God of gods. And, and so we need to be focused, deliberate in our prayer. We need to teach our children to be very specific about their prayer life, praying for people, praying for things, and uh, praying for problems in their own life. Amen. And so focused prayer, deliberate. He said, ask what you will. Uh, go to John chapter number 16 with me. And then I'm going to ask, who will read this one for us? I'd like for everybody to see it. <clears throat> In fact, I think I preached from this text last time I was here, but I still want you to see it again. John chapter number, uh, did I say 16? Yeah, 16 is where you need to go. Who will read it for us? 
to verse number 24. 16.24. Okay, so he said ask. Ask. We need to be deliberate before God. We need to be focused in our prayer life and ask Him. And He said, why? That ye may receive. Uh, well, you know, I just expect that God's going to just do it. Uh, <laughs> God can just do it. But the fact of the matter is, he's kind of like a dad. And here, here's the illustration that I, I like to use is uh, when my kids were younger, they were trying to put things together. And as they were trying to put things together, they're standing there and they're frustrated. And they're like regular men, you know, they don't read your instructions. <clears throat> Neither do I. <laughs> then my wife says, uh, have you read the instructions? No. Why don't you, would you just be quiet going back in there? We got this. <laughs> anyway, there's a good lesson to that too. Read the instructions, amen, the Bible. That's a good, good lesson, you with me? All right, some of you are going to smile at least anyway. Uh, so, uh, but uh, they'll be there and I'll, I'll be standing by and uh, they're frustrated uh, trying to put something together and, and you know, I want to help them, but I also want them to learn how to ask for help. And you'll wait, and you'll wait, and finally they'll say, Dad, can you help me with this? And you just kind of like, man, I'm just waiting for you to, <laughs> to ask. I'd be happy to help you. And that's the way our Father is. Uh, in fact, he says this, uh, if somebody should ask to, for bread, is he going to give him stone? Uh, is he going to give him a serpent? Oh, no. He, he, give us good, he gives good gifts uh, to them that ask him. And so I'm just saying, we need to be focused and deliberate in our prayer. Are you with me? You all right this morning? Okay. Uh, then not only that, uh, I want to say this about this, this prayer, this manner of prayer. It was frequent, determined. I was speaking to a person who was talking about prayer. Actually, he was speaking to me and was telling me about prayer. He said, I just don't believe in this stuff where you got to pray for stuff over and over and over and over. God is a person who hears us, you ask him, and then don't, you don't have to ask him anymore. Well, then why does he say, ask, and it shall be given? Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Well, it's just one time right there, but you've got the wrong tense. That ask is not just ask singular. It's asking. Ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. What was the other? Seek and keep on seeking. That's what he's talking about. It's a progressive thing. We continually ask the Lord. Now watch this. That, that woman who had a guest come to her house, you remember that story? And uh, she didn't have anything to feed him late at night. You remember what that woman did? Went to the next door neighbor and knocked on the door and it was late at night. Nobody answered. She said, well, I guess I'll give up, and I'll just go on back. The Bible says that she knocked, and she knocked. And because, here's the word, importunity, shameless persistence. I, I am not going to be turned away. I'm not taking no for an answer. That's how we ought to be approaching God. God, I'm not taking, I'm, I'm coming to you. I'm going to ask and keep on asking. I'm, and I understand 
as we deal with prayer, there are uh, things that the Lord will say no to. I understand that. But what I'm, I'm meaning is in our prayer life, when we're praying for people, we've got to be consistent. When we're praying for things in our own life, be consistent. Just keep on asking. Frequent. Just keep, keep bombarding heaven for the needs that are in your life. So it, it means to be, uh, to be determined in your life. Uh, you remember the young servant, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Jacob is who I wanted to refer to. Jacob, uh, one day, he was there, and uh, he was by himself, and that angel was wrestling with him. You remember that? And, and the Bible says that it became the break of the day, and uh, he, he saw that he did not prevail, and he said, let me go. And Jacob said this, I, I, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to lay hold and say, I'm not going to let go till you bless my life, till you answer that I'm not going to let go. You see what I'm saying? So it's frequent. It's a determined prayer. Then I want you to see the miracle of prevailing prayer. <clears throat> the Bible says in verse 17 of James again, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly, specifically, that it might not rain and it rained not. Then he prayed again in verse 18, and the heaven gave rain. So what did Elijah's prayer prevail over? What did it give power to prevail over? Well, one, it prevailed over drought. It did not rain. And he prayed again, and guess what? It rained. I don't know all the truth to it. It's in, in history books, but we uh, have a friend who has a cabin that's up in, uh, uh, our, well, it's down in Tennessee from here. It's down in Tennessee. In, um, is it Newport? Yeah, Newport, Tennessee. And they, they allow us to come in and stay sometimes uh, as families passing through. And it's a cabin that was built back in 1917. And um, it was a part, of, part of a uh, land tract uh, that was a pretty large piece of property, and somewhere along the line, it started getting divided off, and a Baptist camp got part of the property up above it. And so they came in and started clearing away things to build a tabernacle. And so they had prayed that the Lord would hold off the rain till they'd get this tabernacle built, and they got it built, and so then they started sending out in the area, and it's this detailed story, it's exactly the way it's recorded, they started sending out to people to come to the tabernacle, because the tabernacle's finished, going to have a special service, and um, they had prayed that it'd start raining, because it was dry, and they needed some rain, it was really dry, and so uh, they, they'd asked it, his Baptist preacher, by the way, who built this particular camp. And uh, he, he prayed that it would rain. And guess what? Uh, the night that they're having this special dedication service, all the people gathered in uh, around 1920s, uh, I think it was, or was it 30s? Somewhere right back in there. Um, and they gathered in around this tabernacle. They got in, and man, I'm telling you, it was pair them up Noah one more time. The rain started coming down. I mean, it was sheets, they said. It was a heavy rain. And uh, it had not rained so long, and they had cleared off a lot of stuff, and so there was a lot of dirt and mud. And so that rain began to wash down through and go down through the uh, valley. And this particular cabin, it is in a little spot 
uh, that there's a creek comes down, the back a ways, there's another creek higher that comes down, and, but it's an oasis type thing. And the water began to build up around it so much so that the only dry spot was this cabin. So people, and it was like an, it was Episcopalian or something like that that lived there. What was it? Presbyterian that lived there. And so they, they got together and he said, man, we're going to have to stop this rain. I mean, we're getting flooded out. And the rain was just a pour. And they said, you got to get up there to that Baptist preacher and tell him to stop this rain. And uh, so the story is told that, uh, how was it it was said? Go ahead. Yeah, it's too much water for us. We press for, yeah, it's too much water for us Presbyterians. It's enough water for you Baptists because you do immersion. We do that sprinkling stuff. It's too much water for us, they said. And so they said, I asked him to uh, stop the rain. He prayed, and guess what? The rain stopped. You say, well, that was coincidence. I don't know if it was or not. Apparently, the man had a touch of God up, uh, upon his life. And uh, uh, so he prayed. I wonder when the last time you and I would be asked by somebody, hey, you got the touch of God on you for that prayer life. Why don't you pray and talk to God about this thing for me? Boy, that's what I wish that my life could be. A man that people could say, call it Jerry Harris. He's in touch with God and he prays. That's what my father-in-law was. He is a prayer warrior. He is a man of God. He is a man of prayer. You can count on that. Uh, when you, you asked him to pray, he could get a hold of heaven. And that's what I want for my life. How about you? And this man was a man who prevailed in prayer, and you and I can too. Now, I want to finish with giving you just a couple thoughts here. <clears throat> why, why we don't pray. Or, I'm sorry, how come nothing happens when we pray? How come nothing happens when we pray? Number one, because of unconfessed sin. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter number one and verse number 12. I'm going to go ahead and turn there if you'd like to look at it with me. I got five minutes here or so, 10 minutes. Isaiah, you want to turn there with me in your Bible? Don't, don't turn in your Bible, but turn your Bible to there. Isaiah chapter number one. There's so many page, or things in my Bible right now. I'm having trouble getting the pages to turn. Isaiah chapter number one. Look at verse number 12 with me. Are you there? When ye come to appear before me. This is God speaking. Who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts? Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and Sabbath that's calling of assemblies I cannot, I cannot away with. Uh, it is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Your new moons. He goes on to talk about these things. What he's trying to say is you're coming to me and you got sin in your life. How, how dare you come and tread in my courts with sin in your life? And if we're going to go before God, we've got to deal with the sin that's in our life. Unconfessed sin stops us from God hearing our prayer. Uh, the Bible says in Psalm 59, 1 and 2, is the ear of the Lord heavy that he cannot hear? Is his uh, arm shortened that he cannot save? Yea, your sins have separated between you and your God, 
that he will not hear. Now, preacher, I, I, tell, tell me if you've ever seen this. Uh, people that'll get out of sorts with God and maybe even leave church will, will be the ones who will say, boy, God, here's my prayer. It's amazing how spiritual they are and so not in contact and not uh, right with God that they are, but yet God hears their prayer. But that Bible says God doesn't hear their prayer. And he doesn't hear our prayer when sin's in our life. You say, that's mean, that's unkind. No, 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 that's only truth. That's only right. You know, that's Bible we're talking about. And if we want to come to God, we've got to deal with sin in our life. That's why it's important uh, that we're in church so the preaching of God's Word can help us to see things that need to be made right with Him. Unbelief. James 1, uh, verse number 6. Here's what the Bible says there. I'll read it real quick. I was going to hand them out. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and uh, tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. We've got to ask in faith. We've got to believe. Unbelief causes uh, our sin, our prayers not to be answered. Amen. The love of pleasures, James chapter 4. Look there with me. And I'm going to do these quickly because I don't have a lot of time. James 4 verse 3. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. Uh, the love of pleasures, wanting things for our own Filthy uh, pleasures uh, causes our, our prayers not to be answered. Pride hinders our prayers. Pride. Proverbs 6, 17. You can look at it sometime. Psalm 138, verse number 6. Indifference. Indifference. Now, this one I want to get a hold of. 2 Kings chapter number 8. Look at what it says here. 2 Kings. And this is probably the last one I'll look up. Now, there's one more I want to give you. 2 Kings. Are you all right this morning? Second Kings, chapter number 8. Are you there? You're faster than me. Look at verse number 18, what the Bible says here. And he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, as did the house of Ahab. For the daughter of Ahab was his wife, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord, Yet the Lord would not destroy Judah for David his servant's sake, <clears throat> uh, as he promised him to give him all way of light uh, to his children. Uh, that was chapter 8, 2 Kings, yes. Uh, and and uh, Ahab did evil in the sight of the Lord. Uh, he was indifferent towards God. But God uh, still prospered Israel, but did not prosper Ahab because of his indifference towards God. He continued to do those things which were evil. And then Joram, of course, followed him. Uh, indifference will stop us. Many people are indifferent about uh, the needs of others. Indifference will hinder you. This is one I really wanted to get, unforgiveness. This is what we deal with in churches today. Mark chapter number 11, and I'm done. Mark 11. Mark 11. <clears throat> Look at verse number 25 here. And when ye stand, what? Praying, forgive. If ye have ought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, neither 
Will your Father in heaven, our Father which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses? Unforgiveness hinders God from answering our prayer. I don't know if you got anything from this admonition this morning, but God's trying to work on Jerry Harris in this subject of prayer, and I really want to learn to become a better prayer warrior for the Lord Jesus Christ, for my fellow saints. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the attention of your people. Bless now, we pray, this time to come. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Four minutes early, preacher. At least by that clock.